Why in a previous episode of Creation Talk was I, Gary Bates, quite negative towards an alleged fellow Christian teacher on the issue of origins? So welcome to Creation Talk. Uh, yes, I'm Gary Bates. I'm with Dr. Jonathan Safady, and uh, we're going to focus on a specific subject. In fact, something we don't normally do, a specific person, Jono. Today. Right. Yeah, good to be here again. And uh, the Jonathan is here because I would call him an expert on the teaching of progressive creationist Dr. Hugh Ross. In fact, Jonathan's book here called Refuting Compromise specifically deals with all the claims of progressive creationism, uh, the uh, beliefs and teachings of Dr. Hugh Ross and his ministry, Reasons to Believe. Jono, for those who are not familiar, um, obviously we normally don't focus on individuals. In that previous episode I mentioned, I was saying that we need to lovingly win our sceptics over even when they're hostile, but I did say that we do reserve some harsher language for those who teach or claim to teach from the Bible, but then defer to secular science uh, and undermine the scripture in many areas. And one of those is Dr. Hugh Ross of Reasons to Believe. So you're an expert on this. Uh, tell us, uh, our viewers and listeners, some of the things that he holds to that we think are unscriptural. Well, first of all, he, he admits that first of all, he came to believe the Big Bang and therefore he had to fit Genesis into the Big Bang and claim the days therefore must be long periods of time, despite the fact that the day doesn't mean that with evening and morning and a number and the rest of scripture. And also uh, because if you have a global flood, you don't need the millions of years. There's no room for it. Uh, so of course he makes a flood into a local flood. Yeah. But all this puts uh, human and animal death before Adam's sin. And when you look at the Gospels and the epistles, Paul's very clear is because of Adam bringing physical death into the world. But Jesus, the last Adam brought physical, he, he died physically for our sins. And then he rose physically from a death. So clearly the death that Adam brought must be physical. God said, you were made from dust. Now you're going to go back to dust. So clearly physical death is the thing in view here. Right. So you're referring there, of course, to Romans 5.12, which he said uh, refers only to spiritual death and humans and not animals. So in the Rossism uh, theory, you've got animals dying and eating each other for millions mm -hmm. of years. So it's a deference to the fossil record, mm -hmm. okay, where we see lots of death. Uh, what's one of the problems with the idea of Romans 5.12 only being spiritual death? Well, it just goes against the character of the gospel itself. I mean, if it's just spiritual death, does that mean that Jesus only had to die spiritually for our sin? Because Romans 5 is contrasting two heads of humanity. You have Adam who brought sin and death with Jesus who brought righteousness and life. So did Jesus only bring spiritual life? Did he only um, die spiritually on the cross? That's the logic of his position, but we're promised future resurrection bodies. Right. Tell me, you know, I often thought about this and I wondered about the new heavens and earth because if it's only spiritual death um, and, you know, the, the flood, which we think was global, so the earth is full of rock layers and fossils which represent global judgment, mm. uh, why would God have to go to such a drastic action of destroying the heavens and earth to make a new heavens and earth? If it's just humans that have sinned, why not just dust off the earth a little bit and, you know, resurrect humans on the earth? 
Uh, clearly, that's not going to be the case, right? Oh, definitely not. I mean, very clearly, by what we promise in in First Corinthians fifteen, resurrection bodies. Jesus was the first fruits. He had a resurrection body uh, that left the tomb empty. He ate fish after his resurrection. He challenged people to feel the wounds in his sides. Okay, so clearly, physical resurrection. He's the first, and that's the first fruits of our future resurrection. Yeah. But Ross undermines all that. Yeah, so here's the issue, and I want to point out in that previous episode, I said we do reserve kind of harsher language for teachers mm-hmm. like Ross and Biologos. Oh, I yeah. mean, Biologos believed that Jesus was wrong when he yeah. spoke about Genesis and the and the New mm. Testament writers. And, of course, there are over 100 references to Genesis in the New Testament. So, you know, besides Romans 5.12, you've got Jesus referring to a real Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, he believed in a real flood. Etc. And I'm sure that he obviously believed that it also covered the high mountains. Uh, how does a local flood obviously cover high mountains? Mm, but just some yeah. personal experience here because yeah, uh, you might recall you and I were at a conference in uh, Asheville, North Carolina some years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. And um, actually Dr. Ross had been invited to debate you. And he when, been, when yes. he found it was you, he declined. Yes, he demanded me. I should apologise for this book that hurt him so badly. Yes. And that's not... It might sound trite, but it's actually the truth, and uh, um, it's been repeated to us by many people who've had interactions with Dr. Ross. He claims that he's actually answered the, the stuff in that book. Uh, what would you say to that? Well, he claimed that his book, Matter of Days, answered the, this book, and I had ignored it. But as soon as the, the book came out, about the same time as my book came out, I wrote two web articles, not, not just one, two web articles answering uh, the claims in his book. And yet he claimed in print that I totally ignored and, uh, the evidence of this right. book and didn't know it existed. So listen, what I'm about to say, I want to say I have absolutely no delight in saying this, but there is a biblical precedent to rebuke false teachers, okay? Destroy false arguments, destroy every lofty argument, etc. Mm-hmm. And particularly when it comes from those who are professing the name of Christ and uh, are claiming to a high view of Scripture, I mean... You know, Ross believes in the millions and billions of years. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned in a previous episode, we look at the chronogenealogies in right. Genesis yeah. 5 and 11 and mm-hmm. the early church fathers and Usher clearly got an age of the earth of 6,000 years. Mm-hmm. But he would say, well, there's gaps in the Genesis account, for example. Well, it's a very, where are they? I'd like to know from the text where they are in the first place. And uh, the other thing is you have people like Adam naming Seth. Adam even named Seth. Clearly it's a literal son. Lamech named Noah. Noah had his uh, three sons with him on the ark. Those are physical, those are father-son connection. But then it's a bit of a red herring because you've got no time gaps. You see, Adam was 130 Mm. years when he became the father of Seth. So even if father meant great-great-grandfather, there are 130. 30 years between them and so on down the line in Genesis 5 and 11. In fact, no one thought there were gaps until about the 19th century. So what Ross is doing is taking a very novel theological idea and novelty normally means heresy or at least heterodoxy. I just on that, I yeah. was just thinking if you get from try to get from 6,000 to 4.5 billion years, there's mm. got to be more than a few dozen gaps. Well, so I mean, it's not reasonable. You'd have to assume millions of gaps or something. Well, so even if you take it to the first um, human fossils, see, human fossils have been dated now to 300 
thousand years yeah. by methods that Ross implicitly accepts. So how do you stretch out Adam to 300,000 years ago? You just can't yeah. do it. And Ross has to keep on expanding his proposed date for Adam as new fossils and new dating comes in. Yeah, so that's actually a good point. Uh, when, when you hitch your biblical interpretation to the secular science and the secular science changes tomorrow, what are you doing? Yeah, goodness. So yeah. in fact, let me be blunt, the Bible's not your authority. Well, it never has been. You see, as I said in the beginning, he said uh, Big Bang came first and therefore Genesis had to be long periods of time, right. you see. Did he also not say nature is the 67th book oh, yes, he does. of the Bible? Which so is... that's a tacit admission that you know, you're using nature in a way to interpret Scripture, whereas we should use Scripture to interpret nature. And yeah. particularly, nature has fallen. That's There's a very important point. In the world. And where do we get that from? We get that from Scripture itself, Genesis chapter 3. The ground was cursed, plants are cursed, mm. humans are cursed. So we need the unfallen revelation from Scripture to interpret the fallen nature that we find ourselves in. Yeah. So I mentioned that, you know, we take no delight in this. And I mentioned that you and I were at a mm. conference in Asheville and uh, where he refused to debate you. And yeah. actually he ended up debating, uh, agreeing to debate Danny Faulkner. Mm -hmm. And Danny Faulkner tried to hold his feet to the fire over, over um, Romans 5.12 and um, I'm not, you know, he's comfortable saying this, but he actually denied on stage. I was there, you were there, and he said, I've never taught that. And I also had my book with me to actually, uh, which documents where he had taught the theory things he claims he hadn't taught. So I saw him in action, and there are people in the audience who are eventually looking around to me to see what I was going to point out when they saw him say those yeah. things. Yeah. So a little bit of a little bit of a warning there that when feet held to the fire, that sometimes uh, he doesn't necessarily uh, uh, put his put his hand up for what he claims to believe. But there was a very interesting one, and I'd struck this before that uh, Euros claimed that the church fathers, you know, uniformly taught in an old earth, that the, the young earth, what he calls it, which I prefer to call the biblical age of the earth because that's where we get the age from, is from the Bible, um, is a recent derivation and that the idea of a, a young earth thousands of years has never been taught throughout scripture. So I can see you're looking up something in your book, so hit us with it. <laughs> well, basically he uh, says, uh, many of the church fathers and other biblical scholars interpret the creation days of Genesis 1 as long, long periods of time. The list of such proponents includes the Jewish historian Josephus, Irenaeus, Bishop of Lyons, Oregon, Basil, Augustine, and later Aquinas. Also, when you, when you make such a categorical authoritative statement like that, and you name those people. Now, I know that you've actually researched what those church fathers taught and what did they teach. Well, the point is, it's always go to the original source. Don't take my word or Ross's word for what they say. Go and find out what they said. And every one of those was a young earth creationist, and most of those were explicitly 624-hour creationists. Right. And so I think, was it in the last year or a couple of years ago, it was actually somebody who I believe is a member of a friend of Ross's mm. ministry on their own site, uh, they were contacted and said, you need to stop saying mm. that the early church fathers taught an old earth and that young earth was a recent, you know, aberration. Yeah. Um, and and uh, he's one of his own, if you like, uh, acolytes had said, I've advised Dr. Ross to stop using this, mm. etc." But then Ross turned around and said, well, it doesn't matter anyway. But hang on, he cited them as an authority, but then when was called mm. to 
actually being incorrect or maybe mis- even worse, misrepresenting them, he said it didn't matter. Well, it's very convenient. It's just heads I win, tails, uh, tails you lose, isn't it? I mean, when they seem to support his, his place, well, it's important. When it, obviously they don't, uh, then it doesn't matter anyway what they taught. So which is it? Uh, exactly right. And actually it supports us because surely if Old Earth was in Scripture, how come no one ever saw it before the rise of Long Age geology in the early 18th, uh, yeah, 1800s? Hutton and Lyell and yeah. so on. Yeah. So why, why didn't anyone else see it in Scripture if it really was taught? in scripture they all saw a young earth 6,000 year old earth in fact not even 6,000 years when they wrote their their material so people can go to creation.com and type in Hugh Ross Church Fathers we actually have an article uh, Mm. on that and uh um, another article is called uh, Hugh Ross False Claims or More Mm -hmm. False Claims by Hugh Ross so as unpleasant it is, it's, you know, to be honest, these are some of the things we need to address mm-hmm. because people see it as a convenient way to be able to marry the millions of years to Scripture. And there's a tendency in us, most of us to do that because we mm-hmm. think that that is, you know, kind of settled science and it's all around us, it's all you ever hear, mm-hmm. you know. And then our first tendency is to sort of say, well, if there's a way I can marry Scripture you know, with the millions of years, I won't look so unreasonable. But when you end up, mm. you know, basically violating the gospel as a result, or when you have to, let's be frank, resort to misleading and false claims to do so, I don't think that person should be cited as an authority on scripture or be teaching in Bible colleges, for example. All right. Well, no, I mean, and also, I mean, where do you stop if you decide that nature is your authority when it comes to biblical chronology? Where do you stop? Maybe it's authority on bi- on the on biology as well. So why not go all the way to biologists, as more people seem to be doing, and then you go into the way of, of sexual morality? Well, don't out animals committing homosexual acts, or maybe it's okay for humans to do that as well. Animals have more than one part, or maybe we should as well. So where do you stop all this? In fact, that is an argument evolutionists have used. You and I are just animals. Mm-hmm. You know, animals do it in the wild and so on. So again, um, the, the issue with all of this, Jonathan, which mm. you know we deal with as a ministry when we go out and we speak and we've got a website with over 12,500 articles on mm-hmm. it, we are not a one-man organisation. We have offices in seven countries, got lots Mm. of PhDs. All our stuff is peer-reviewed. The simple fact is there is no need to resort to any of this. You know, I've been in ministry as a volunteer full-time for over 30 years. In fact, this year is my 30th year. Congratulations, sir. Uh, But, you know, we have stuff today to support what the Bible believes. There's been Mm. so much done, particularly on the hermeneutics of Genesis, that we just don't need to resort to these Compromise views. And that's what this book is called. Mm-hmm. Refuting compromise. You made the point. If we if we retreat and give ground on Genesis, uh, and Genesis doesn't mean what it clearly says, which is what Ross is basically mm-hmm. saying, knows, yeah. where does the truth begin in scripture? And that's uh, what we need to to work out. I mean, why not just tra- take God at his word right from the very beginning? Yeah. And it's often, uh, you know, what would you say to people? Because I've had Ross supporters come mm. up and uh, they look at disdain with, you know, you kind of dumb young earth creationist mm. because uh, you, you really don't understand, you don't know. And unfortunately, that kind of seems to be endemic out there. Mm-hmm. But they often say, well, you're limiting God or God could have done this. Well, he might have done that and you weren't there, etc. Yeah. Well, we're getting back to the authority of scripture. I, and I know I've heard this before, but what would you say? 
Well, it's not a matter of what God could have done. It's what he said he did do. And that's the thing. He's told us what he has done, when he did it, over what time frame he did it, and the order in which he did it. And the New Testament treats that Genesis account as completely historical. The order of events matters. The people were real. The events happened as the as Genesis says it happened. So why shouldn't we have the same view of Genesis as Jesus and the New Testament people did? Yeah. All right. So dubious apologetics. Uh, we make no apologies for saying that. And mm. uh, at the end of the day, uh, whether you or I, we've both written books. And yep. in the academic world, if you write and you put yourself out there, then you are fair game. And Mm. so it's understandable you may be criticised and critiqued, as we both have been in the past. And so we are talking about the teaching here Mm -hmm. uh, that we think does a great injustice to Scripture and Mm. it's teaching that defers to a secular, that is a non-Christian interpretation of the natural world. And so this is a type of teaching that didn't exist in the early church, no, never, um, and so on. So when we say quite novel, it's it's new, it's unique, but it's wrong. Mm. And scripture should be our authority. Any comments in clothing you want to make on that, Jonathan? Well, okay, uh, this book does go into a lot, a lot more detail than we can possibly go through in about a quarter of an hour. Uh, it has over four hundred pages. I mean, the first chapter is the most important chapter of our differences: is the authority of Scripture. What is our authority? Is it Scripture or secular science? And I go through things like the days of creation, how mm. people have understood the uh, the the passage. Then I also talk about the flood, local or global. What about humans and when death came into the world? But then I, I address some of the old Earth scientific arguments and present a science scientific case for an Earth much younger uh, than Ross uh, seems to think it is. So if you have uh, sat on the fence or even been convinced uh, by the apologetics of progressive creation, we encourage you to get that book, hold it up for folks, Jono, uh, Refuting Compromise, or go to the website creation.com, type in Hugh Ross, Refuting Compromise, lots and lots of articles on it. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, remember, the scripture has all we need in this particular area. It's about what God said he did, not what he might have done or could have done. I'd love you to share these uh, podcasts and the videos. Uh, Click like and be active. If you're a fan of creation.com, you'll see there's a few negative ones there where people are making arguments that we've dealt with in the past lead them to articles on creation.com to show that these things have been dealt with in the past. A lot today, but we thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.